Here I am. <laughs> Turn to First Timothy chapter six. By direction of the Lord. So he said, Dr. Chip said, it didn't matter what I preached on. Isn't that what he said? So it's his fault. First Timothy chapter six. This is, this is a healing school or healing service. First Timothy chapter six, verse number twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, in verse 12, says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, or lay hold on whatever it is that you want from God. Whereunto thou art also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to talk to you about this thought or idea that the Spirit of God spoke to me with in the last few minutes right there in the office. The Lord spoke to me, and He said this. He said, tell them that they've got to want to. In other words, if you don't want to be healed, or if you don't want to live, you don't have to. You've got to want to. And I believe what I sensed in my spirit. If you just desire it with everything that's within you, you want it with everything that's within you, over half the battle is won right there. It has to do with you. It has to do with me. And so he said, fight the good fight of faith. Fighting the fight of faith, the wanting something bad enough, you know what I mean? Desiring something more than anything else, I believe the Lord showed me you got half the battle won right there. You got to want it. In other words, you got to have a desire in you, a drive, and a motivation within you in order to receive from God. In other words, there's got to be something that you put forward, an effort that you put forward, time that you take in order to receive from God. If you want to know the Lord, so to speak, not just for healing, but that's part of the process. If you just want to know the Lord, it takes time to become acquainted with Him. And it's not that He doesn't want to know you, it's you have to separate yourself and your personality and your feelings and emotions away from the spiritual things. And when you get in the Spirit and you pray long enough, those things will happen. But if you fight, uh, uh, if, you, if you'll decide that I'm going to fight for what belongs to me, and I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to give up, and I'm not going to accept anything less than what God's Word says. You've got over half the battle won right there. I'm not saying that's not a, uh, there's not other parts in it, because there is. But if, if you'll just stand, and you'll stand against these kind of things, you'll come out supernaturally on top with what it is that you need from God every single time without fail, and the devil cannot keep it from you, and he cannot stop you from receiving it. Amen? Are you glad about it? Are you happy about it? Are you excited about it? Amen. So you might as well get excited about it. So can I tell you some stories? I got all these stories, but uh, can I tell you a story about uh, Patty's mother? Because it fits in right here real good. It just the Lord reminded me of this. Because she was a lady that, that loved God. You know, she was a pastor's wife. And her name 
was Mary Frances Thornton. And her daddy's name was Joseph Eugene Thornton. And so they played Joseph and Mary in the Christmas play, and they wouldn't lie about it. <laughs> it was actually Joseph and Mary, you know, in the Christmas play. We used to have the Christmas play, you know, we'd have a little swaddling scene on the stage. I don't know if y'all have ever done any of that, but that's what we used to do in the church, you know. Old time Pentecost would have them plays and they'd do it. But let me tell you about her. She was a lady that loved God, you know, and and uh, believed the Bible and the Word of God. And I had come along and had married their sweet daughter, you know. And they thought that uh, her mama thought that Patty had lost her mind, you know, because Patty was uh, grew up as a little Sunday school girl, grew up in her daddy mama's church, teaching the Sunday school classes and helping her mom and daddy out and. And they got concerned about her, you know, because she, uh, she hadn't gotten married, but she was making, waiting on the right one to come along, you know, and I am the right one. <laughs> Took her a while to get it all figured out. But I am the right one, even though it seemed there for a while, you know, and here I am, I'm out of prison and everything, and, and Patty's mama thought she'd lost her mind. She told Patty, she said, my God, Patty, you've been without a man so long, you're taking anything that comes along. <laughs> but you know, it's better to be in the right place at the right time. But her mama, you know, encountered some issues. Her mama had uh, cancer attack her physical body. And I'm not saying this to, to talk down about her at all. I'm not. I'm just telling you an experience. you got to want to live. It, you know, you got to want to what God has for you. And you've got to fight sometimes for what God has for you. And you're not fighting God. You know, you're not having, there's nothing to do with that. You're fighting circumstances, situations, demonic forces, and d disease is from the devil. So, in a sense, you stand against him. And so her mama got cancer. And this cancer, I forget where it was, it was in her breast. Yeah, it started there. And then it got into her lymph nodes and all. Anyway, she had surgery. But I remember her mama was got like an old bulldog. You know what I mean? And she decided that this stuff wasn't going to kill her. I mean, she decided. She just made the decision. She put her foot down. And I got her, uh, I'm back in those days, they had the VHS tapes, you know. And I'd get her Brother Hagen's VHS stuff and uh, Brother Hagen's books and, and cassette tapes and, and others, you know. And she would plug them and she had a VCR, you know, when you come in the door there at 6534 Moon Circle. Remember Moon Circle there? Some of you remember Moon Circle? You're a little fella, but Moon Circle. When you come in the door on the side door, right to your left, they had the big console TV. You know, them kind that's big enough to kill an elephant with if you could hit them, pick it up and throw it at them. They had that there. And on top of it, she had a VCR sitting up there. And on top of that VCR, she had these uh, uh, cassette tapes, you know, VHS cassette tapes sitting up there of, of healing meetings. And she'd just take one and run, play it through. She had her Bible. She had the scriptures. And she was marking things down in that Bible every time you'd come in. She was praising the Lord. She was glorifying God, wouldn't she? I mean, she was standing. She was fighting. This stuff ain't going to kill me. It ain't going to do it. I'm going to stand. I'm going to do it. She kept standing, kept standing, kept standing, even though she had the surgery she'd done the natural thing, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But she stood and stood against this stuff, and supernaturally, by the time that she went through all this, and it looked like she wasn't going to make it, she got what we call in the country a clean bill of health. Y'all know what that means, right? No cancer in her body whatsoever. 
totally healed. I mean, she stood, she confessed, she praised God, she cried, she wept and praised. Thank you, Jesus. You know, every day, I mean, every day, every waking moment, she was after it. She was believing God. There were times that she would get weary, but she would just get right back up and she wouldn't quit. I'm telling you, wanting it is halfway there. It is. You've got to desire it. You've got to want to go after it. If it belongs to you, you've got to fight for it. Fight the good fight of faith. I'm not talking about whipping somebody, you know. I'm talking about fighting for what belongs to you. There's got to be some kind of fight in you, especially when it comes to stuff like cancer that'll kill you right away. I mean, it shut your organs down. Well, she fought and fought, and she got a totally clean bill of health. And I think for five years, wasn't it? Five years... She went along pretty good. She got to saw her grandson. I mean, that was the light of her life, is to see Randall, you know, and, and to play with Randall, you know, as a little boy. And she, but what happened, another thing that come along, though, is she got another cancer five, wasn't it, five years later, another type of cancer in a different part of her body, in her female area, I believe, attacked her in her body. And I remember when she got that news, and... Uh, it kind of knocked the wind out of her sail because she then went through the biggest battle of her life as she'd ever been through, and she'd been through some battles, you know. But uh, that battle, that last battle, that she, she lasted for a good while until she finally, for five years, was totally healed, no sign of cancer in her body. I remember going over to the house and, and parking on the side. Y'all remember on 65 Moon, Moon Surfer, y'all remember that? Where you, where you went and you had a little circle, you could turn around and come back. Well, well it didn't then. There used to be a road, then they put a cul-de-sac in, something in there. Anyway, you turned down in their driveway, y'all remember that? And you pulled up beside, and then it had a screen door. You opened up, you know, the storm door, and then you opened the other door, and it, and it opened back to the right, the right-hand door, you know? It opened up that way, and the wall would be there and stuff. And you walk in, and the big TV over here that was big enough, you know, if you could throw in that elephant, you could knock him in the head and knock him out. Now they got a little flat screen. And I turned to look, and I didn't see any healing meetings going on. I didn't hear any healing scriptures playing. I didn't see her with her head in her Bible and her print pencil in her hand to mark the scriptures and claim them. I didn't hear any praise in the Lord or confessions or everything. You know, I'm not putting her down. I'm just telling you how these things are. I'm not saying it to talk bad about her. But when I walked in and I saw this is a totally different picture from the first time. The first time, she had a fight in her. First time, she had a determination in her. The first time, she had a want to in her. But this time, when I walked in and I seen it, as we say in the spiritual world, my heart sank. Because I knew this stuff, you don't play with this. you got to go after it with everything that's within you. And of course, I tried to encourage her. Patty tried to encourage her. Her daddy, you know, tried to encourage her. Patty's daddy tried to encourage her. But it was like she just, I don't know how else to say it, but it's like she just gave up. She got tired of fighting. And I'm not knocking her for that. You know, everybody's got their own desires and everything. But I noticed when she quit fighting, that things started going the wrong way pretty quick. And then she started going down and down and down. And of course, nobody wanted to see her go down. And 
and I would pray for her, you know, and pray with her and Patty Wood and others. And I remember it finally got down to where that they, they sent her home from after some treatments at the hospital, and they put her in a hospital bed there, back in one of the bedrooms. That You know how they bring a hospital in, and I don't know if hospice was around. Was hospice around back then? Yeah, hospice got involved. You know, and when they bring hospice in, usually, you know, it ain't going to be long before you're, you're out of here. And so I remember Patty's daddy coming, when I come over one day, he come and grabbed me by the arm in and, and desperation. He said, Randy, pray for her, pray for her, pray for her. You know, he was a preacher too, you know. And I said, well, well J.E., I called him that. You know, he was his, my dad-in-law. And at church, I called him pastor, you know. But, but uh, I said, I, I prayed for her. I said, I, I, said, I believe she's going to have to want it herself. But anyway, I would do it, you know, just out of mercy and grace. And I'd go pray for her, lay hands on her, and, Try to talk to her, and of course, you could tell her she was getting weak. And then, to make a long story short, she finally one day she closed her eyes and she was gone. Isn't that right? And she moved on. Now, I know after that she was a fighter for some reason because things happened, and I'm not going into the whole story because I don't know it exactly, but after she passed away and we had her funeral. Patty had an experience. You remember that experience? Where your mama came? Now, I don't understand all these things, but I know Jesus talked to uh, Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you can't build doctrines on this. But I remember that Patty had an experience after her mama left, or her mama, I don't know if it was a dream, vision, or what, but it was just like it was real to her. She come and talk to her. And I believe that didn't one of her little children come with her? Was it Amy? What was her? Nine. She had some stillborn children. And anyway, she came and didn't one come with her? Yeah. And she Patty asked her who it was, and she said, This is one of my children that was stillborn. You know what that means? The baby was dead when it was born. So them babies are not dead, you know. Anyway, she brought him. I'm talking about fighting afterwards, so she must have somehow got there because she knew that she had some daughters here on this earth. And she knew that those daughters are going to need some help, especially one of them called Delora. He's kind of soft headed. <laughs> Make a good confession. In fact, Patty almost was not able to come because she's got to have some stuff done because of her soft head out there, surgeries. Anyway, this coming week. But her mama came, told her that the baby that she had, the girl that she had with her, was one of her children that had been stillborn. And that she said, Patty, she said, I want you, you remember that? She said, I want you to take care of Delora because your daddy is not going to take care of her and watch her because of course, the Lord's pretty rebellious too. <laughs> you know what I mean? She was pretty, and that's not a good confession. She is, she's kind. She's nice. <laughs> she's good. He said, Patty, said, you watch over Delora and you take care of Delora. And she promised her mama, you remember that? That she'd watch over. There has been a lot of water under the bridge since all that happened. But I remember, you know, we've been around, Patty's been heard, been around and around. But uh, 
I know, and the reason I said that is, there must have been something. She had some kind of agreement with the Lord to let her have an experience with Patty after that she moved to that side. Because as a general rule, you know, those kind of things don't happen. And of course, Patty took over responsibility as best she could and, and all. And then finally, you know, we lived in Oklahoma. She, Delora lived in Georgia. You know, and she'd been through prison. If you don't know the whole story, it can give you a, a, a good hairdo. But anyway, so finally, Patty told Delora, you're going to have to move out here to Oklahoma because I can't take care of you and I can't watch over you over there in Georgia, you know. And she was hanging around people that Patty thought that she shouldn't be around and it was causing going to cause her more harm than good, you know. So he talked to her in there. And so uh, my wife sent my son and I out on a trip. Sent us to go get her. You remember that, son? So we got in the Cirrus aircraft, and I, I called ahead, and I got a, a U-Haul rental truck. And we flew into Columbus, Georgia, because she lived in LaGrange, Georgia, and that was the only place I could get a vehicle. They had a special U-Haul center there, because you could rent one up that way, but you never knew if they'd be in, on, on the property, you know. But I knew I could get one in Columbus, Georgia. And so we got a car from the uh, airport, borrowed a car or rented a car or something, and and we drove over to the rental place and got the uh, uh, rental truck. And then uh, Randall and I went back and took that car to the airport. And then we drove to LaGrange, which is 35 miles, I guess, from Columbus, Georgia. And we loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly. <laughs> In other words, we took her, I took Randall and, and Delora, Patty's sister. And I think you're 10 years apart. You know what I mean? And, and so we took Randall and Patty back down to Columbus, Georgia airport. And they got the easy part of the journey. They got back in this, uh-huh, Delora. Took, huh? You picked her up. Yeah, 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 he did, yeah. And anyway, we got her, and we uh, took her right down to uh, the airport, Randall and her, uh, Delora. Yeah, not my wife. She wasn't there. We was there. She sent us on the journey. And then I got in the bouncing U-Haul truck. Everybody needs a good bouncing U-Haul truck. If you ever drove 40, <laughs> some of the roads out there. And then Randall and Delora, he got her in there, you know, and he flew back. He flew her, Delora, and himself back to Oklahoma and, and landed. And then I got in the truck and I took off with Delora's furniture. And here I come. Woo! Headed back to Oklahoma. Of course, I didn't make it all the way that day. I stayed somewhere out there on the road because it was, what, noontime, I guess, before we ever, or after, before we ever got back to the airport and I dropped them off, Delora and Randall. And then I drove back part of the way that day and made it the rest of the way the next day. And then Patty had gotten an apartment, and I think she wound up getting her another apartment, wasn't it? Yes, okay. But for uh, but Delora. And, but I, I said all that to say this. I believe that somehow or another, because of the fight that Patty's mama had, even though she didn't choose to stay here, she must have got up there and said, there, God, <laughs> I'm telling you this. I got some babies down there, and I'm concerned. I know I got some babies up here, but I'm concerned about my babies, and I need to talk to my babies. Lord, you're going to have to make a way for me to talk to my babies, Lord. And I think she fought the good fight of faith over there. And then she was able to communicate to Patty through dream, through vision, whatever it was. We don't understand it all. All we know is just as real to her as it actually happened. But you got to want something in order to have it. 
as long as you'll just go along with the status quo and decide that everything is just going to be all right like it is, and you're not going to go for it with everything that's within you, you're probably not going to have it. Not that God's going to keep it from you. God would never keep anything from you. But you've got circumstances, you've got devils, you've got sickness and disease, and everything that would come against you to try to stop that in your life. So you've got to fight. You've got a desire to do it. You've got to want to do it. And that's what God put inside of me recently. He showed me that if I did not get back to being diligent and fight for what belongs to me, fight the good fight of faith, that I wasn't going to have it. He said, you're sitting around here praying and waiting for me to do something for you. Now, we need to pray, don't get me wrong. He said, but you've got to exercise your faith. He said, you go study the Scriptures, and you'll find out in the Scriptures it says, whosoever shall, whosoever shall. In other words, there's something that you've got to do. He said, you're praying for me to do something. He said, I'm going to help you do it. But he says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast to sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith. In other words, I've got to do something. He shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. It says in Mark 20, 11, 24, what things soever you desire. In other words, what I go after, what I want, what I want to see come to pass, I've got to go for it in the name of Jesus. And that's when I got my black book out. I showed, uh, I showed Dr. Chip my black book. Now this is my private book here. My black book. You see this black book? This is a book I wrote to myself years ago. And I used to live by this book. I'm telling you, I live by this book. And uh, don't get no ideas. She's going to jerk it from me. But, <laughs> but uh, this book is a book that God had me write to myself. It's never been released to the public, nowhere else. And he said, you put your black book up. He said, get your black book. And he said, you start doing what I showed you back yonder years ago. And he said, it's going to happen just like I told you it would back then. He said, you quit fighting for what belongs to you. You quit desiring for what I had for you. You quit wanting what I wanted you to have. And he said, that's why you hadn't got it, and it's your fault. Remember, he hit me a low blow. I was walking like, <laughs> I've been over. I'm telling you, I was running my airplane hangar. You'd have seen me. You'd have thought, what's wrong with me? And he wasn't hurting, but, it, you know, I mean, I had quenched the spirit, I can tell you. You want to know the title? of my book to myself, Scriptural Wisdom to Healing, Finances, and Victory. That's it. Let me read you my, my caption on this thing. This is what I wrote to myself. The word of, This has been years ago. This is my black book. The Word of God must be studied, meditated on, believed, spoken, and acted upon in order to be a reality in your life. I was writing it to me. The Lord told me that. And I, I mean, I was going for it. I mean, with everything that's within me. Now, it didn't start off as a black book like this. I put it in the book, and that's why I call it the black book. I told Randall when we left, I said, I got the black book, son. Y'all better look out. The black book. And I'm telling you, there's treasures in here that the Lord taught me. But you know, it's one thing to have treasures. They're not something far out that nobody knows but things that he showed me that I must do in order to possess what he had for me. 
See, it's one thing to know something that God has said in His Word or know something He said to you. But it's another thing to possess, to become a possessor of what the Bible says. A possessor of what belongs to you. If you don't want it, if you don't fight for it, if you don't desire it with everything that's within you and go after it, it's not going to come to pass in your life as a general rule. I mean, God sovereignly can work in your life, and certainly there are in times of sovereigns in my life that God has supernaturally done things. And I was telling you about uh, Pastor Larry Moss, and, and I got off earlier. Remember that? I'm coming back to the stories, you know. You think I forgot about them. I'm just following Brother Hagin's rabbit trails. You know, he takes side journeys. But remember, I was talking about I was in Pastor Larry Moss's church there in McDonough, Georgia. Y'all know where McDonough is? You know where the Atlanta International Airport is? You go through there periodically, don't you? Well, if you were to fall out of that uh, airport over there and get on Interstate 75 and go south and go that way, probably about, uh, well, Atlanta traffic, it, I don't lie about it, but it might be 25 minutes, it may be 20 minutes, and it may be 10 minutes. But uh, anyway, you go south and you'll come to a place called McDonough, Georgia. Well, I was in there, I was preaching under a great strong anointing, and God was just moving. I mean, I was living in the black book. I'm telling you the truth about it. This thing, I was practicing what this thing says, and I was going after it whether I felt like it or not. I was pulling myself up and saying, Lord, I think I'm going to do it, and I've got back to that. I mean, I'm doing it again. I'm going for it in Jesus' name, and I'm not going to let the devil talk me out of it because I realize uh, that the time is coming uh, that I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. And I'm going to give an account for what I've done. You know what I mean? And I want to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do regardless of what it is. And I'm going to make decisions based on what he says and not what I think and not my ability, but his ability working in me. But anyway, in that same meeting, I mean, there was such marvelous and miraculous healings. And one of the things that to me that stood out among the most, because I've, I've, I've dealt over the years with... Uh, High blood sugar. Brother Hagen dealt with that. I didn't inherit it. You know, it's not mine genetically that way. But I, I've dealt with that. And, and the Lord talked to me about that too. But I remember there was a man that was a, a full-blown diabetic and no longer was his pancreas producing the insulin that it should. And so he was on insulin. I mean, large, large doses that he was having to take shots every day. Now, I didn't know it, but when I come down through this line, I mean, there's just church uh, people everywhere, and, and, and people were being slain in the Spirit, uh, not from me, but just in the anointing that was so strong in that place. And I remember laying hands on that man and prophesying over that man, and he began to praise and dance and glorify God. And I didn't know what in the world's happened to him, you know. And I was talking about uh, Brother Dane Massey, you know. And that's how he come in the deal, because he's now pastoring the church again there in Peachtree City, Georgia, where Cindy Black uh, just uh, resigned as pastor, and he took it back over. But he was with me in the prayer line as I was going down, helping me, you know, with people, because it was uh, the, the auditorium went big, and it was packed out in those days. And uh, But anyway, I remember laying hands on that man. He was praying and shouting and carrying on, and he came back to the service the next day. And he said, Brother Greer, Brother Greer. I said, what is it? What is it? What is it? He said, he said I've been having to take insulin, large doses of insulin. He said, but ever since uh, I received prayer and the Holy Ghost knocked me in the floor, he said, I don't have diabetes anymore. 
He said, my pancreas is producing and functioning correctly in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm totally healed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet or the neuropathy that I had in my feet. I don't know, neuropathy or whatever you call it with all the nerve endings and stuff and it makes your feet hurt and all kind of stuff. He said, it's all gone. And he said, I'm totally healed. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. So if God can do supernatural things, and we know that God can, I'm talking about God moving in supernatural ways and in sovereign ways. God can do it. Of course, he'd been believing God for healing to an extent, but that was a special manifestation of the gifts of healing in operation that healed him right there by his own admission. Even though he'd believed God, he'd believed God for years and nothing had happened. But it was the anointing that came and was imparted to him. Not just him, there were some other people. I remember a little girl out in Texas. Uh, uh, I'm just talking about the more notable ones. A little girl. And the Lord had told me to call up people that had problems with their feet. And, and I thought, well, what am I calling this people for problems with their feet? And it was out there, and I called them up, and we had actually we had started the meeting in the church, and the meeting grew so large because God was moving supernaturally, we moved into a, an insurance building, a farmer's Farm Bureau insurance building. They had a little place that they could have meetings, and they, it was a small city. It was Canton, Texas. It's the largest flea market in the world the first Monday. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's about 80 miles east of Dallas on Interstate 20. The first Monday, they call it First Monday, Trades Day, and it's the largest flea market in the world you can go to. That's what you'd call it, you know. So we was in this building one night, and the gifts of the Spirit was in operation, and uh, the Lord said, call up anybody with, with messed up feet, deformed feet. And I called them up, and I remember. When I got up in line, I don't know, there was about eight or nine people in this line. And, and when I reached up to lay hands on this lady, she was... Uh, her feet was messed up. She could hardly walk, you know. And because you got people from all different denominational backgrounds, because this is a small uh, city, and this is, you know, the word spread like wildfire. You know, people's getting healed up here. People speaking in strange languages and all this kind of stuff. And so people come out just to see what's going on. So when I got to the first one, I reached up to lay hands on, on this lady. And when I reached up to lay hands on this lady, because her feet was deformed and turned, she was having a hard time walking. And the Lord said to me, when I reached out to touch her, I'm talking about a sovereign act of God. He said, don't touch her. I said, Lord, you just told me to call him up. You know, I'm thinking mentally, you know. You just told me to call him up. And I said, it's the custom to lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. He said, yes, that's true. He said, but I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, don't touch her. I said, all right, Lord, then what do I do? He said, tell her to dance. I said, Lord. Tell her to dance. Her feet's messed up. What? What do you mean these people are going to shut down the meeting on me? They're going to think I'm cruel. They're going to think I'm mean. He said, tell her to dance. If the Lord wants you to dance, honey, kick your shoes off and dance. That's all I can say. I didn't understand it. I can look back now and I believe I can see something in it. I believe he wanted her just to have an act of faith. But what she did is she said, well, well sir, I... I can't dance. My, my feet are messed up. You, your heart went out to her, you know. But And I tried to talk her into it. I said, ma'am, I said, I don't understand it either, but all I know is the Spirit of God inside of me, the same one that sent me to call you up, told me to tell you to dance. And so she wouldn't dance. You know, so I, I moved on and I wouldn't, you know. And you could tell the audience was kind of shutting down. I don't know if you've been, you remember Jesus when he went and prayed for the people that was sometimes he'd put everybody else out of the room. See, it can hinder other people's doubt and unbelief. can hinder. So I went to the next one. Same thing. 
Went to the next one, same thing. Went to the next one, same thing. And the little girl, that little girl's feet was twisted in like this. You know, when it'd be like this, they were twisted in like this. And her mama had helped her get up there, and she would walk like this, you know. And your heart just went out. I mean, she looked to be 11 or 12 years old. When I got down there to the last one, well, she already knew the rules to this meeting. Because <laughs> she was there. And so when I got there, down there, what she done before I ever said a word, before I ever said, now this is her testimony. This is not my testimony. I, I didn't see what I'm about to tell you. She saw it. But she was attempting to dance before I ever got to her. This little bitty girl, 11 or 12 years old, and she was attempting to dance, and the Lord said, put your hands on her. So when I reached out my right hand to put it on her, this is her testimony. She said, fire flew from the end of my hand, hit her in the head, and it went down to her feet. There was immediately made straight. She ran around around the building, and her mama chasing her, and I'm following them. A sovereign act of God. And I wish I could make it happen every time. Now, I believe we're coming into these times. I got the black book now. I said, and this was the days of the black book, and I had laid this book down for years. I said, for years I'd laid it down. But a God had me write it to myself, for me, not for anybody else. If you'll practice this, son. Now, since then, I've, I've been through it, you know, recently, and I realized that I need to add some more to it. Because <laughs> you learn, you know, as you go. I don't think you ever learn everything. In fact, I'll just tell you, you don't ever learn everything in this life. You can always learn. But anyway, everybody took off. Now, that was a sovereign act of God. God supernaturally done that. Now, that little girl had to have some faith or she wouldn't have been trying to dance. Now, you're talking about somebody that was happy. Probably more happy than anybody in the building was mama. That mama was squalling. I mean, she was a crying. She had prayed many tears over that child's feet. She had breathed God everything she knew who to do. She knew what she could do. And that total little girl, you know, she'd probably been made fun of, you know, and all that stuff. People sometimes are so cruel, especially other little children, don't mean to be, just don't know any better sometimes. And you know how she could have felt. But I'm telling you, when she took off a running <laughs> around that church, and when I, when I opened my eyes, her mom was gone. I thought, my God, what am I doing standing here? Woo! I'm gone with them. And that place come unglued. That old farm bureau building, I mean, we were shaking, rattling, and rolling in that place. And God was moving supernaturally. We got the black book. And I've been praying. I've been seeking God. Getting back in that place I need to be. That anointing. You know, Jesus told Brother Hagin one time after he gave him the special anointing. He gave him a special anointing. Remember, he raised, put his right hand in the, in the palm of each of his hands. He said, if the anointing begins to wane, he said, if you'll fast and pray, he said, it'll come back. Well, that's what I've been doing. You know what I mean? Now, I did eat a piece of ice cream cake today. And I ain't done that in a long time, you know. But I ain't never had no ice cream cake. I was, I, Dr. Chip cut it, though, so it's, <laughs> I'm not taking all the blame. He, I, and he said, how much? And I said, be generous. He was overly generous. <laughs> he got him a sliver about like this, you know. Mine was about like this. But I didn't eat it all. I did leave a bite. <laughs> but I just got topped off because I thought, Phew. There's a lot of stuff in here. But God sovereignly moved because people believed him and went for it. You can't give up. you got to fight. you got to fight for what belongs to you. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen,
If you lose the fight, you'll lose the battle. If you lose the fight, you're going to lose the battle. Now, I told about the sovereign moves of God, our special anointings, you could say, because that was a special anointing. Wouldn't you say it was a special anointing for fire to come out of somebody's hand? Now, I felt something, but I didn't see what the little girl saw. She said, my hand never touched her. Never. Just fire just leapt out. And you know it wasn't fire. It was the Spirit of God. Remember, there was cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them in the upper room. That's the fire of God. Well, that's what she saw. She saw the fire of God, the glory of God, and it hit her. I mean, she was totally healed. Amazing. After that, 12 years old, right in there somewhere, 11 or 12, totally healed. I mean, medical science, doctors, they'd try to do all kinds of surgeries and nothing, you know. But here she is, totally healed, totally set free by a sovereign act of God. But remember, Patty's mother, Miss Mary Frances Thornton, she, to start with, she fought the battle. She stood in there, and we're not putting her down today. And I believe, again, she fought the battle after she got there. She said, went to Jesus, and said, look here, Jesus. She's kind of short anyway, but she was fiery, you know. You know how you short folks are. Y'all fiery. <laughs> Come on, look at it, y'all. Fiery, yeah. But anyway, I believe she told Jesus, now, Jesus, I got some babies down there. And I need to give a message to them. I'll make sure they get it. Make sure it gets across to them, you know. And I believe she worked out some kind of communication and done some kind of traveling. I don't know what they do, you know. But I do know Moses and Elijah was on the mount. Now, another story that you know about already, and I've, I've used it before, but it's a good one. It's Sister D Dodie Osteen. Sister Dodie Osteen. Boy, she's got a book about her being healed of cancer. Now, if you want something that'll get a hold to you, it's a, it's, that's not very, it's an easy read, you know. But I, I go back and, and, and read it every now and then. But I'm telling you, you're talking about a fighter. When she got cancer, and then she went to the doctor, you know, and, and her uh, husband, Pastor Osteen, it's Joel's, uh, Osteen's mama, you know, Pastor Joel Osteen's mama. And, and Pastor Osteen was her husband, pastored a pretty good-sized church, good friends with Brother Hagen and everything, faith people. They'd been Baptists and got filled with the Spirit and got involved in the faith camp. And so they had good doctors that went to their church and everything. So they went to the, the doctors of their church, and then the doctors of the church said, we're going to get consultation from some specialists in this field, you know. You know, and thank God for good specialists, but do you know there's a specialist that's above all specialists? And he's special above all things and every specialist that you need. And his name is Jesus. And so they said, uh, Miss Osteen said that the only thing that the only treatment for this, and, and you know, it's not a good percentage that it's going to work, good high percent that's going to work is do chemo and, and all these kind of other things. And I'm not against chemo or anything like that, you know, it'd be up to a person to decide. But uh, she said to the doctors, which knew they were good spirit doctors, you know, Christian doctors, said to them, and they were the top of their field, you know, and, and said to her, them, she said, well, I'm going to pray about it. Me and, me and John, you know, that's her husband, you know, we call him Pastor Osteen. So we're going to pray about it, and I'll make the decision. So when they got back, 
to their, to their house. They got on the floor and they started seeking God and they started praying. And he said, Dodie, I don't know if you remember Brother John Osteen. He was short, but he was like, Dodie, whatever you want to do, Dodie. I'm going to do it with you, Dodie. I'll be with you. Everything's going to be fine, you know. So they started praying. They started seeking God because she wanted to know, you know, what am I going to do? She, she, after praying for a good while, she got up from prayer. And she said, John, we call him Pastor Osteen, said, I'm not going to have no chemo. Said, because I've seen people that go through this. You know, she'd been a pastor's wife. And they had dealt with a lot of their church people that had to deal with different issues and how they had taken all the, the cures and things like that. And then a lot of them, it just their quality of life so deteriorated and they wound up dying anyway. She said, I'm going to fight for this and I'm going to receive my healing based on the Word of God. And Pastor John, Oteen, uh, Pastor John Osteen said to her, said, Dodie, said, I'll stand with you. We'll believe God with everything He's in. But of course, it's her battle, really. You know, He can stand some, but she's going to have to fight. And she would tell stories, and I'm not telling the whole story, but you can read her book. It's very, a very inspirational book. You're talking about fighting, the good fight of faith. She would say that she would be times that she'd be in so much physical pain because this cancer's eating the organs of her body away. And she'd be in so much pain at night that she couldn't sleep. She'd roll around. And you'd get in the floor and she'd have to put her head in a pillow and scream to keep from waking the babies up, the children up. They were older, you know. Not babies, but older. And, uh, and of course, you know, nobody wanted to see it that way. She hid that from her children, but uh, her husband, John, he would know about some of these things. And he would say, Dodie, let's, let's get you something for pain. No, I'm not going to do it. And then her children would come. Say, Mama, let me do this for you. Let me do this for you. He, she said, no, I am not sick. Don't treat me like an invalid, and I'm not going to die. You tell her children that. I'm jerking out in you. That means that she's going to fight for it. Isn't that right? And she fought, and she stood, and she fought, and she stood. And of course, they'd take her to the doctor to get her checked, and of course, they'd all encourage her you know, to do something. We can give you something. Nope. If you give me all them high-powered drugs, I'm not going to be able to think quickly and think on my mind. I'll be out of my mind half the time. And I need everything I got within me. But ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this. Mrs. Dodie Osteen was totally healed of that cancer, and that was years ago, and she's still living and kicking today. And I, I don't know how many years. Would that be 60 years ago? Because I'm 40-something years in the ministry. I don't know. It'd be somewhere... Uh, right in there, 50 years ago, 55, and she's still alive today, totally healed from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet because she decided, I want it. And there ain't no devil or sickness and disease going to take me out in the name of Jesus. She fought for what belongs to her. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll fight for what belongs to you, and you're not fighting God, not at all. You're really, I tell you what you're fighting, you're fighting doubt and unbelief. That's what it is. You're fighting the circumstances. You're fighting the opposition. You're fighting the, the desire to quit and give up because sometimes it would be easier to give up and quit than it would be to go on. I said it would be easier to quit and give up. I said, how do you know I've been there going through tests and trials? Brother Hagin went through them. 
1986, he actually prayed and said, Lord, let me come home and be with you. And the Lord wouldn't let him. <laughs> you can get up there and do what you're supposed to do, boy. And he lived on. But that was 86. He didn't go home to be with the Lord until 2003. Because he got to the point, he got despaired. I mean, I know the pressure can get on. I know it can get there. I know I've been there. I mean, in recent times, it's been there with me. And I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not a quitter. Because I'm going to win in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to walk out what God has for us, and nothing's going to stop us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to fight the good fight of faith in the name of Jesus, and we are going to accomplish the will of God regardless of what's come our way. I'm here to tell you, because God has equipped me and given me the ability, and He's also put that same thing inside of you. That fight's inside of you. So take that fight, and you know what I'm talking about, from a spiritual perspective. Stand on the Word of God. Confess the Word of God. Regardless of what things look like, regardless of what things seem like, always confess what God's Word says, always believe what God's always words wants you to believe, and when you do that, you're going to come out on top of every single time without fail. And over Satan, you're going to prevail. And God's will shall come to pass. And you're going to laugh and laugh and laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You might as well go ahead and laugh in advance. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I'm telling you, ha, ha, ha. I'm not going under. I'm going over in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the devil is not going to whip me. Ain't nobody going to control me. The devil's not going to stop me because I'm going over in the name of Jesus Christ because God is on my side. Amen? I told you I got this black book out. I'd put it on the shelf. Now, it wasn't always in a black book. It was in a little bitty thing. And I call it my black book now. But it's just stuff and it's not nothing. Ooh, we far out. Ain't a secret thing but this stuff that I mean when I begin to practice this, this simple things, but you got to want it. you got to desire it. you got to go after it. And that's what I've been doing in the last uh, couple of months. I've been going after it. And the Lord showed me. I told me he hit me a low blow. He said, it's your fault. And I, I said, yes, Lord. I was just kind of bent over like this, <laughs> walking around the hangar. I wasn't in pain, but I, I felt it. You know what I mean? It's like somebody hit me in my, uh, below the belt. And I said, okay, Lord. But you know, after he done that, oh, Lord. Can I give you chapter and verse for that? You want me to give you chapter and verse for that? For a low blow? You do. Turn to Hebrews 12, and I'll close. Because I know Dr. Chip wants this verse. He wants to be hit. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse number 5. And you have forgotten the exhortations which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. When he rebukes you heavily, you sense it in your spirit. I mean, I did. I sensed it in my spirit. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and does what? He scourgeth. That don't sound good, does it? every son whom he receiveth. If you endure, remember I was bowed over, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? 
He said, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, and this is where I was at, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous. In other words, you wouldn't shouting. You wouldn't dancing. You wouldn't running. You wouldn't jumping. He said it doesn't seem to be joyous, but grievous. And that's what I sensed in my spirit. Nevertheless, afterward, after you go through that, then he corrects you. He yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, or because of what I just said, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. See, my, my hands were hanging down and my knees were feeble. I'm telling you, I was in that hanger. He said, but lift them up which hang down in the feeble knees and do what? And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. In other words, when God corrects us, it is for our good. Amen? And that's what he did. He said, you've got to go after what belongs for you. And that's what I've been talking about. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. If you don't desire it, if you don't want it, the Lord's not going to force it on you. He's not going to make you take something that uh, you don't want. So that's why I said, get back to where you was at. Pick the message back up that I already told you what to do. Go back there and you're going to find light. And I did. I began to get light. I began to get revelation again. I began to see things differently again. And I began to be empowered and strengthened. And I sensed a special anointing come upon me again, just like it was at the beginning. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that we're breaking out and breaking forth in the name of Jesus Christ. So you might as well go with me. I'll drag you kicking and screaming over here with me. Amen. We're going in. It belongs to you. Desire it and want it, and you can have it. Father, I speak blessings over every single individual under the sound of my voice. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227. Owasso, Oklahoma, 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, www.rgm.me. And remember, God is always with us.